It's a lot of training. Yeah, it's intense. Like you don't do anything else outside of training. Like personally, I'd wake up, go to the gym, come home, go for a nap, have my food, go back to the gym, come home, jump into bed and watch TV. And then again, make sure to get to bed nice and early. So I'd be asleep by half 10, half 10. Hello, welcome to episode number 21 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. This week, myself and Rudds are joined by professional boxer, Victor Rabe. Uh, before we get into the episode, two quick shout-outs. Number one is to Fitbit Ireland, who, for our um, five-year birthday party at the gym at the weekend, sponsored some fantastic Fitbit prizes for a lot of our clients. Myself and Rudds are going to be rocking Fitbits for the next couple of weeks with a few um, fitness challenges, Rudds. Let people have a crack at taking you down for how many calories you burn on a daily basis. Wow, sounds good. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And uh, the next one is to the Ballincollig under 18s who are apparently big fans of the podcast uh, one of the lads was quoted the other day Rudds, I don't know if you saw the message today yeah. um, chatting during a drill progress not perfection as the drill kept getting messed up so a uh, big shout out to the lads down in Ballincollig best of luck with the preseason this year so Victor into the good stuff uh, just for quick background people who might know a whole lot about you um, five professional fights current record five and oh that is correct. Current, uh, you currently hold the Celtic title you won a couple of weeks ago? I won it two weeks ago, yeah. Fantastic. Um, born in Moldova, but grew up in Dublin? I'm here 15 years now. So. The accent is, yeah, I'm kind of, I've been guessing Dublin straight away anyway. <laughs> and trained by Stephen O'Rourke, who is also training Killian Reardon, who we had on the podcast previously. Yeah, he's my training partner. Very good. And you guys went running together, Rudds. Say uh, you were telling me before we went on there that Vic jumped out after two laps. He didn't want to. He couldn't keep up with you. Is that what you were saying? I think you were kind of saying something along those lines. Pulled out while he was on the top. He, <laughs> he smoked. He smoked myself and Killian in the first two runs, and uh, he took pity on us and pulled it, it graciously bowed out. Well, you've got a super lightweight and two. Well, one super super heavyweight rocking around the track. Anyway, I don't know what Killian weighs in at, but uh, I think you have a bit of an advantage there, Vic. To be the honest, two boys are big boys, so. <laughs> I uh, pulled out while I was ahead, so... Yeah, that's the way to do it. Quit when you're on top. That's it. Fantastic. And, yeah, no, it, was, it was tough running. It was very, very tough. It was it 800 metres, or what were we doing, 800s? It was... Uh, did you guys do... Yeah, yeah, it was 800. Four 800 metres oh, sprints. One minute rest between. A decent whack as well. Yeah. Uh, it was good, though. I uh, felt great after it. Good type of training. Good for your marathon prep roads. Roads running the Dublin Marathon this year. Yep. And, and Cologne Marathon also. And Cologne Marathon as well. Get a little bit of uh, traveling in and some practice. Um, so first of all, for myself and especially the listeners out there who have never fought, have never prepared for a fight, could you give us some of the day-to-day life of a professional boxer? Day-to-day, uh, well, you know that you're, let's say eight weeks ahead you have a fight like a, a big fight so you're going into camp that camp varies between eight to ten weeks of intense training it's usually six days a week uh twice a day uh you start off obviously you you know who your opponent is your coach and yourself would sit down and uh, go over their boxing te- te- uh, techniques and create a plan for the next eight weeks ahead like we we have weekly goals we have monthly goals and obviously the camp goals and we'd shoot straight into it. Um, the first two weeks, we only start off easy enough, not at too high pace, so that we get used to our body kind of coming back into camp and getting under the strain. Uh, Monday morning, we'd go into training and only do 10 rounds on the bags, for example. So it's not too intense. Uh, Monday afternoon, we'd go back into the gym and do probably a circuit. But as I said before, it's just really light pace. You're getting used to the movements and you're mostly getting back to what you're doing. 
Tuesday, we do a hard day, an easy day, a hard day, an easy day, okay. a hard day, easy day. Uh, we'd usually have between four to six boxing sessions a week. Okay. Uh, two cardios, so at the track, and then three strength and condition. So, uh, it's a lot of training. Yeah, it's intense. Like, you don't do anything else outside of training. Like, personally, I'd wake up, go to the gym, come home, go for a nap, have my food, go back to the gym, come home, jump into bed and watch TV. And then again, make sure to get to bed nice and early. So I'd be asleep by 10, half 10. Yep. Because <clears throat> the next day is obviously tough. So you need, you need that rest. What a lot of people don't do is they kind of, they go to the training, come back, they stay active, they do something, they go out, they, they move about, then they go back to training, then they come home, and then they'll stay up till one in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's just a massive mistake. You can train so much, but recovery is so important in kind of in camp. So my aims is just train hard, but make sure to get that rest. And with that training, obviously, it starts quite quite general by the sound of things. It's kind of your basic reintroduction to training, getting you used to operating at high intensities. Does it get far more specific then as you're kind of building through the camp, getting ready for your opponent? Well, yeah, pads is, is specifically like with the coach, like at the start, we do fitness pads. So we just get punching and getting used to punching again. Whereas kind of two weeks in, we'd have um, spotted some weaknesses that of our opponent. Yep. And kind of would work on that. So my coach would kind of hold pads, give me gaps, but not say too much and wait for me to kind of define the gaps and uh plenty of movement in the ring sparring was starts after two weeks and our sparring partners is usually we try aim for what my opponent is yeah so for example in my last fight um the guy was a little bit smaller than me but he was a hard puncher and he just kept going ahead so my sparring partners and killian was one of them it was just tough lads that just go ahead good guy to keep running stop. at you oh, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant i <laughs> loved it but it's just it's it's what you need you need to your sparring partners to be what your opponent's like yeah. so that you get used to that kind of style of fighting and it's 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 tough it is tough training is like they say it's like in training you need kind of it's 80 yeah. percent um physical and 20 percent mental whereas in a fight it's the opposite way around yeah. it's 20 percent physical and 80 percent mental so it's just building towards that kind of in, ter- in terms of like that process at the start when you're sitting down with your coach like and you're preparing the tactics for a fight. So you're, cause that was one thing I, I saw in I, one of the articles I read about, um, your preparations for fights. You talked about starting the process where you sit down with your coach and you break down the fighter and you identify where his weaknesses are, what you can attack, what are the things you're going to be mindful of. How many fights does it take you to get a sense of that? Is it a case if you sit down and you watch one fight and you get a good idea or does it take you a while to sit down and go through that and pick through all his fights and, you sit down, have watch a fight, watch two fights. It's probably half an hour footage. It's an, it's more than enough. You kind of see weaknesses as a boxer and obviously boxing coach, you spot weaknesses straight away. So you kind of push in that crack and hope that you'd stop them. Yeah, it was probably the same as working on any team, doing your analysis, figuring out where the weaknesses are and then trying to implement them specifically throughout your training. I suppose you're probably a huge boxing enthusiast as well. So is that a fun part of it for you? Or, you know, some guys you talk about professional fighters, they seem to love training. It's just what they want to do all the time. Other guys seem to hate it. They just love the fight for you. Is the enjoyment in, you know, the big night or do you really enjoy the build up in the camp throughout those horrible eight weeks? I hate camp. (laughs) Camp is horrible. I love fighting though. And I know like when you, go into camp you know that you're doing this for for a purpose a good purpose like you want to fight so you want to be in the best shape possible so motivation is there it's 
if you if you don't have motivation going to a fight, you should may as well quit. Um, I love fighting. Yeah. It's it's as any boxer. I think there's not a lot of people that enjoy training. Uh, well, I'm saying that like when you're at the gym, you're the hour hour and a half you hate it, but then after you've done, you you feel happy that you've done it. Yeah. And uh, again, it's just the end goal is getting in the in the ring in the best shape as possible. I think that's just refreshing to hear though from like professional athletes that like that that resonates to people at all different levels that they ultimately have a goal in their fitness, whether it's they want to lose weight or get in certain shape or lift certain things or run a certain distance, run a marathon, whatever it is. It's not always the process isn't always as enjoyable as it's made out to be. Sometimes you just have to roll up your sleeves, get to work. But exactly that that half an hour after the horrible hour and a half is going to make it worthwhile. I think that's something that a lot of people look at professionals and go, well, they obviously love training. It's easy. They really enjoy it all the time. But the reality is it's tough work for everybody. Yeah. Well, saying that, like there is a lot of aspects about training that I love pads. I love pads, technical, technical pads in particular. It's fun. You kind of, you're working on certain things. So you're improving your ability and, but strength and condition is fun for me personally but the cardio stuff is just an absolute killer uh Karen was there at the track track is horrible I get more nervous going to a track session than I do in a fight really it's it's terrible it's it is and not to say that it's just running but it's so difficult like fair play to all the boys that run on the tracks it's it's a horrible 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 training I think the really challenging thing about that type of training and I, I get it where like it's like kind of a love hate thing and it's definitely that nerves before you do a fitness test and before you do some sort of really hard interval session is there's no um like no skill or no fine sorry there is a technique and a skill but there's less of it than a boxing match where there's so there's more variables for you putting in a good performance yeah. than just pure effort whereas like doing the 800 meters or doing a 1k row or 2k row or anything like that or something where it is just it's just pure effort are you willing you to go are you are you willing it, to yeah. go 100 percent um and when it gets really tough can you just keep putting in that pure effort whereas like you're talking about the tactical pads might be very challenging still but it's still more than the one variable of effort yeah it's one of those things as well that it kind of because it's you and it's an individual sport you know when you go to those track sessions that the reason everybody feels so sick is because you want it to go well you know geez if i don't put in the effort here i'm only going to let myself down so like it's, it's that kind of double-edged thing where you have to go as hard as you can so you know how tough it's going to be before you even start yeah well it's just you bring yourself to that level where you're so tired but you know that you have to push harder and a lot of people kind of quit when they get to that stage but because it's not a team sport, you know, that it's just going to be you in that ring. So you have to push and you have to push, you get as much out as possible before stepping through those ropes. It's, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling. That leads me on really nicely to the next question, which is like, I've, uh, was having roads have only fought each other a few times uh, over the last few years. But like for a lot of people listening who've never been, you know, in a boxing match, in a fight, felt the nerves, felt the adrenaline. Uh, what's it like getting into the ring? What are the moments, the last few moments like before you get the call in the dressing room to, to hop out and get stuck in? Um, a lot of people, they get really kind of nervous going before, like stepping into the ring. I get really excited. I know that the past eight weeks, eight, nine weeks, all the hard work has been done and I haven't caught any corners. So technically going into the fight, you're ready. The confidence is there. There's no reason why, like in my head, there's no reason why I shouldn't win the fight. The only reason would be if I kind of lose focus or just do stuff, like do stupid stuff. Mm. But, um, most important thing is step through those ropes stay nice and relaxed don't tense up and enjoy it and it's exactly like my last fight was an eight round fight 
and it's the one that I've enjoyed most. It's just because you can really soak it all in mm. rather than you go in four rounds and you're out. Yeah. Eight rounds, you can, this strategic stuff can kind of, it kicks in. So we went to this fight first round, two rounds. We're attacking the body. We're trying to get his hands down. And then round three and four, we're kind of starting tipping up top. And then round five, we come back, to, back down to the body. So it hurt him. So round six and seven, he didn't know where I was going to come. Yeah. And then that's when you start kind of picking them off and make it land a good shot. In terms of, you talked about that idea of training being um, more more physical than mental. And then when you go in a fight, it's you like a huge amount of mental down. You're talking about when you go through the ropes, how you got to stay relaxed um, and your tactics. Would you use any specific strategies for mental preparation, like visualization, relaxation, anything to help you on the day of a fight? Or is it just... You just... I think about the fight, trial camp. Yeah. Like I'd see it round by round, like round one, even like to a certain combination when just as the bell goes, you go in and for example, it'd be a jab, jab, right hand. It's just small things and you go over it and you go over it. And then without even realizing what you're doing, you go in and you do, you do them. So it's kind of building it in your head, what you want to do throughout the, the eight rounds. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just visualization is a massive part because you kind of before it, like, you, all you do is you train and you sit at home alone. So you think you like without even wanting to, you you think about You're all these stuff all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, what happens if it doesn't go to plan? Like, what happens if you know you get in, you visualize something for eight weeks, you've you've trained, you've executed throughout training, you get in and just something goes terribly wrong straight away? Have you got anything that you know? Is there any strategies like Rudd's talks about that you have ingrained in the back of your head that, to get things back on track, or is it just do you rely on skill? How, how does that go for you if things aren't going to plan straight away? So not going to plan is, and if you get hit with a big shot, or that yeah, or, or you know, you know, you you saw you accommodate the stuff, yeah, like eight weeks before before going into the fight, you only know the person what he did in his last fight. You don't know what any changes that he had going into the next fight. So you go in if and you'd have plan A, plan B, plan C. So plan A would probably be attack. You go hit the weak spots. Plan B would step on the back foot, box on the back foot, and pick him off. Whereas uh, plan C would be type guard if you get into a situation start grabbing hold them don't don't like a lot of people the mistakes what they do is if they get hit with a big shot they panic they, they keep their hands up but drop your hands grab them and bring them close to you okay because at a closer range you can't get hurt like unless you get headbutt or something but the ref is there so the ref will break it off just cut as much time as possible so that's the there you're kind of you've got your plan a plan b plan c so you strategize for those things in your training but you do like you do all of that stuff six weeks in, in sparring so you, there is you get tough spars you yep. get really tough spars uh, and at, in those times you're kind of going over all the strategies so again going into the fight it just becomes like second sense you don't really think about these things you just do it automatically it's mm. kind of like what T- Killian talked about with Leinster in terms of that idea of like in training they're simulating as hard if not harder than the games and then they're used to making decisions uh, when the, in the fatigue state or when scenarios are put in play that are purposely more difficult than it might be in the match mm. that they're used to reacting to that. So in your sparring, you're used to those situations happening. So you don't have to think about it. You just react when you're in the fight. All the time. Like spars, you'd have two, three sparring partners and the, the three lads were kind of tough lads, like the same as, as your opponent, but they had different strategies. So they're not the exact same boxer. So that's where you kind of accustom to different styles so you go into the ring let's say plan a is to box him on the back foot 
And if that doesn't work, then you know that you've been sparring other sparring partners yeah. and they're different. So you still like you accommodate really, really quickly. With but, with with rugby, we like the different coaches scenarios would differ. Some coaches like to do a lot of contact in their week leading up to a match. Other coaches would do less. And I think there's probably a trend over the last 10, 20 years where there's less contact now in rugby in an, in a training week to save you more for the match is in terms of with your sparring and you're saying there's some tough spars there. When you're sparring, is it a case of, um, like what's the kind of common practice? Is there a lot of where you're going full on and it is trying to knock each other's head off type stuff? Yeah. Or is the, most of the time it's not and then on certain days you like you know one or two weeks in your camp then you ramp it up to full fight intensity how does that work in terms of your sparring uh sparring wise you you'd have like days where you'd want to tackle like just outbox them yeah and then you'd have days where like for a boxer best way to get fitness is getting into that ring and practicing it because yeah. it's the closest thing sparring is the cl- closest thing to a fight running on the track is not going to like yeah, it'll there's, some, yeah. there's some different variables in there lads so you'd have days when you go in and then you stick to tactics like no matter what happens even if they get the best of you it's it's just sticking to the tactics getting behind your jab or keep landing that left hook to the body or left to the head just specific things so you practice it a thousand times before you get into the ring and then it just it just automatically happens uh, and then you'd have days where you're literally just standing toe to toe and you're going hard at it for eight rounds just so that you know that you can do the eight rounds or the four or the six or the 10 or the 12, whatever it is. So there is, it varies. Uh, you'd have days where you're just boxing and then you'd have days when you're, when you're going full at it. Uh, we cut sparring usually 10, 11 days before the fight. And at that stage of camp, you're already itching to go. You're, you're just so kind of, yeah. you're, you're dieting, you're you're losing weight, so you're kind of narky all the time and you just want to fight, you snap at everything. And then that just builds the hunger for when you get to the ring. And then, like you said earlier, that kind of few moments before you get called into the ring is just so excited because you're going to unleash everything. Like the past eight weeks of kind of, I don't want to say hatred towards training, but it's kind of like that. Yeah, and what's it like then? That's obviously, that's a really good insight for what it's like to be in training, the sort of the ups and downs that you go through. What's it like when you're out of training? I know like... Uh, do you like to you know kind of straight after you come out of camp obviously you're just out of a camp now you're telling us before we started that your body's sore what do you do to recover uh, do you stay in shape is there anything specific that you do while you're out of camp as a professional you have to stay in shape so uh, like I said before like in training camps you train twice three times a day six times a week whereas outside of training camp like straight after the fight I took a week completely off so whereas I do absolutely nothing I just lie at home watch tv and just relax yeah and then straight after that, then you get into training once a day at least. And then what you want to do outside of training camp is uh, fixing all the niggles that you have in camp. So, for example, if you hurt, if your biceps sore, if your legs sore, if something, just do strength and condition, go do physio sessions so that in next training camp, your body's back to kind of being a lot stronger than it was in the previous camp. And is there anything specific then recovery wise that you find very helpful? I know like when we had uh, Johnny on, he was talking about uh, he, he did work with um, the guys out in Santry outside of training to try and really help him focus on small details. Is there anything that you like to do? Yoga, extra foam rolling, swimming? Like is there anything that has been really helpful for you when you're coming back out of camps to try and heal? Uh, I do yoga while in camp as well, just for kind of my mental side of it and kind of to... 
it's it, yoga is tough. I've, I've done <laughs> yoga in Yoga Hub on Camden Street. Yeah. And it takes a lot, but it's, it's nice. It's, uh, for me, it was just nice to do something outside of boxing training, outside of strength and conditioning, just to enjoy it. Like it's, it's, it's good for your mental side more than anything, I think. Do you find the, the breathing side of yoga would help with boxing? Cause obviously like a huge amount, well, any sort of cardiovascular exercise, learning to breathe properly when you're under stress is, is huge, but as well, I'd imagine in boxing because you're breathing when you should throw in shots. Does that, does that help as well? Absolutely. Uh, breathing is a lot like going into the ring. A lot of guys would kind of take a deep breath and go for it and cut, but that's tiring out your muscles. So breathing is a massive, massive, massive thing in boxing. Uh, yoga helps because you stay relaxed. Like when you're not kind of toe to toe and you're going for it, yeah. you step back. Just it's, it's good. Like in your head, you think just relax, take a deep breath, relax, move or do, and then you get back straight into it. So it does help towards that. In terms of, because when we're in the gym here, it's something I talk about a lot with people is the idea of there's things you can control when you're resting and one of them is your breathing. So when you're in a minute rest, say for instance on the 800s with you guys, in that minute between I was thinking about trying to control three things, my body language, my breathing and my self-talk. So in that minute, I'm trying to not show you I'm tired. I'm trying to get up and, you know, to, to, but as well to tell myself instead of hands on my knees that I'm really tired. Uh, the other thing is I'm trying to talk to myself positively as in, come on, you've got this three more to go, two more to go. Uh, best effort, something like that that's going to be positive. And the other thing is I'm really trying to get three big deep breaths in to start the recovery. So as soon as I finish that run, I'm trying to go. And get three where it's really yeah. slow and doing yoga i found helps that because they talk you your instructor will talk to you about you those deep breaths but it's not just sitting down and doing that i find like you're saying it's challenging like a lot of the positions you're trying to hold are really hard yeah. so you're having to put effort to hold a position but then you're also having to try and get Focus deep on breathing on your, yeah. your breathing so like i found that to be really useful for the, the work i do in the gym because you do a hard interval what are the three things you can control in your respiratory, your breathing, your self-talk and your body language. So you get used to being under physical stress, but trying to go that really deep breathing. Mm. I found that yoga has helped me to carry that over. What's in your mind then during that minute when you're in between rounds, you're sitting, you've got your coach in your corner. What's your immediate priority in that first five seconds you sit in the seat? Uh, well, you sit down and then you just literally focus. I zone out. All I hear is my coach and we'd have... For a round, so he's not going to tell me too much to do because then it just comes out of one ear, goes out the other. So he'd give me one mistake that I made yeah. and one thing that I should do. And then in between that, he just says, stay nice and relaxed. It's it's like uh, Kieran said, it's very intimidating when you have someone across the ring from you sitting down looking at you while you're... So you try and not show that you're tired. You try stay nice and relaxed. Don't show them anything and focus on what your, your coach is saying. Get up and back to business. And even for you, like you're saying, Rods, I know that's something that happens with a lot of people in the gym. If you're in a really tough session, it's very easy to start telling yourself, this is hard. This is really tough. I'm struggling. I'm not enjoying this. And it becomes so much harder mentally when you're you're saying that to yourself. Um, instead of just being like, exactly like things Rudd is saying, come on, you're feeling good. One more to go. Keep control of your breathing. Uh, like, do you see, is there times in your own career where that's, you can feel those negative thoughts clicking in and you've got like a bit of a trigger to kick you back into a positive mindset? I Yeah, positivity is one of the best things that you can kind of have about yourself or training, just the mentality to go in and be positive. I take the positives out of any situations. So for example, you'd have bad, really bad uh, sparring sessions. Yeah. 
But then you'll be like, hang on a second, well, this worked for me, that worked for me, that worked for me. And that just gives you more motivation for kind of the next day and the next day and the next day. Because at the end of the day, you're still putting in the work. So it could have been either that or you're not doing it. Yeah. And then sitting at home on your couch or doing whatever. And you can learn from it. It's such a great way to think about things. It just builds you kind of mentally. It gives you that much more. It makes, I think it makes you really a lot tougher. And then, like I said, when you get to that stage and you have to step through the ropes, you know what you've been through. So you've done all these really, really, really tough sessions and you kind of stayed on top of them and then going into the ring. Like a fight is only between 30 to 40 minutes. Like you do that every single day and you do an hour, an hour and a half sessions, like yeah. easy. So it's just kind of staying positive, being on top of your breathing, staying nice and relaxed, as relaxed as possible. Because if you tense up, like even every step that you take in the ring, it'll take, it'll drain you. So that's a massive kind of, Thing that a lot of people do you get in and then you tense up you're so kind of how do i say just anxious about yeah, stuff rigid, and then, yeah. yeah and any shots you throw you're just you're wasting a lot of energy uh so stay nice and relaxed and as well you're wasting energy before the fight if you're very anxious and um because i that's something that i found but also like when you read about uh, managing your energy like one of the biggest things is staying relaxed because if you're too tense four or five hours before the fight then you've drained half your gas tank just before you even get in the ring. It's not just before the, the day of the fight. Like, it's funny enough that you said that. It's the week before a fight, you do nothing. This is what I wanted to ask you. Sorry, it was about the... Go on, keep going. So, uh, you do nothing. Like, training stops. You're not going to get fit in a week before a fight. So, yeah. what you want to do is just let your body recover. And a lot of people, they get so... Like, without even knowing, you get so excited, but you're on your feet, you're moving about, you're training your body, and that's at a stage where you want to cut weight. Mm. So your body's dehydrated, your body, you're not putting carbs into your body, so you're kind of, your energy levels are low, and you working out, well, not working out, but kind of be very excited yeah. and intense, it Anxious drains moving, it. Yeah. And then without knowing, but that's, you're doing that for five days before a fight, and then you get to, you refuel yourself, and then the next day, like you said, before uh, the fight itself, like you wake up, you're on your toes, you're kind of itching to go, but it's, you need to stay as relaxed as possible. Like the week before I'd lay in bed, like I wake up, I had, bre- I'd have breakfast, just stay on the couch, watch TV, try not think about the fight. I don't really think about the fight until maybe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then obviously the day of the fight, but you're trying to block all those stuff away because you don't want, you don't want to tense up and let it drain it. It's funny because myself and Rose were talking about this training this morning. We were talking about the, the marathon prep. And when I ran the, I ran the Prague marathon in May with one of the guys from the gym and before the day before the marathon, we walked like 18k around the city sightseeing. So like I was saying to Rudd this morning before we do Cologne, Rudd is saying he wants to see the sights and he wants to get around and see the city. And I was like, yeah, but we'll be getting segues because, you know, I clocked about 18k the day before and it definitely took a huge amount out of me yeah. in the last 5k beforehand. So I was going to ask you about that, like the day before a fight. Rudd, were you saying when, you know, when you were playing yeah. at Leinster, you're just told to lie down all day and not do all that? Well, in the in the lead up, the, the couple of days before a game, they talk about time on feet. So, like when you're on the pitch, well, all week your your pitch sessions are closely monitored. How long you're on the pitch, and they're very short and sharp. But then the few days before the game, they taper down the amount of time that you're actually on the on the pitch. But even like our strength and conditioning coach used to talk to us about the idea of like exactly what you're saying with your fight camp. So when you're away from training. In your breaks between training, going and lying down, getting a nap, sleeping, like trying to minimize the amount of time that you're just aimlessly on your feet. Yeah. Well, like I said, in training, like the main 
aim is just train and get the most out of the training sessions. And if you kind of walk about and go town, walk around, or even at late nights, just staying, it takes out of your training performance. Yeah. Like you want to be really rested before a training session. Go in, give it your all, and then rest again. Getting your protein back in, rest and rest and rest is a re- vital thing. That, that sounds really like, as in like... I can imagine a lot of people out there thinking about it going oh that sounds really good just like sitting at home watching TV all it's the time I'd say it's so tough but, it's, but it's awful that's that's probably the biggest discipline I'd imagine in regards to leading up to a fight is being on top of that rest and being disciplined with that yeah absolutely there's I know so many people so many athletes that they just train so much mm. and even on the days off where the sun is where I personally I take it off you don't need to tell me twice if the coach says sit at home and sit in bed all day i'll do it whereas other lads they they go for a 10k to 10k maybe sprints or something they'd find something to do on sunday because they think that they haven't trained enough during the week but you've put your body through so much like from monday to friday and then saturday morning as well you need to let your body recover like it's a massive your muscles are building and that's a skill as well for you obviously you're very in tune with your body we had a whole episode on listening to your body and understanding it but from putting yourself through exactly like a really rigorous eight-week training camp where monday to friday you talked about clocking three sessions a day for six days you're doing 18 sessions you know when your body needs recovery so i'd say for people listening uh like for example the young fellas down in Ballon College training for preseason, you know this is the time of year where they're probably doing a huge amount of volume they want to do extras to get ready for the season that's starting but like for them to understand rest and recovery is just as important at certain times uh, and that that's the hardest thing to realize and people actually do listen to their body and take breaks i, I think, think it's a- more important than like your rest is as important or if not more important than kind of staying on top yeah. you'll break your body down like eight weeks of solid training like towards the end of camp you want to peak you don't want to start getting kind of pains here and pains yeah. there and that's kind of a result of overtraining I think as well, the, uh, the fact that you sit down with your coach at the start of it and clearly lay out like what is the plan and it's very structured and it's well thought out is going to really help in that because I think a lot of the time when you don't have a plan, it's so easy, like you're saying, when a sparring session doesn't go well to kind of doubt yourself and go, I'm not yeah, fit enough. Yeah. I need to do extra training or I need to do this. Whereas when you've got a plan in place from the start of it, you just got to keep turning up and trust the process. And like you said, where you, you were saying, well, even if it didn't go well, I worked really hard in that session. So I know it's going to pay off down the yeah. line. So to, having to, a plan in place at the start is To really put that important. into a real world context for a lot of people that we train, but it's like when you put a plan in place to get in shape for a goal that's coming up and uh you know surprise surprise a birthday party pops up that you have to go to and you end up staying out till two o'clock and you know having a few beers where you didn't plan it before everyone's like i gotta get up on sunday morning and go again it's like that's part of your plan that something didn't go perfectly same as you having a bad sparring session like rod says you wipe the slate clean you forget about that and you stick to the plan you don't need to you don't need to change everything and try slam yourself and punish yourself you just if you have your plan laid out you know things didn't go perfectly you just execute the next step of the plan and push on i think you'd be very foolish to think that like we have our plans we have weekly goals monthly goals and then and the camp goals like not everything is going to go according to plan yeah never it never does like there's other things that pop up and like you just need to take it as it is and have goals is one of the most important things i think you have something to kind of strive to so you'd have a goal, for example, I need to, this week, I need to run 10K. I need to get 20 rounds of sparring. I need to get my two, three sessions of strength and conditioning and the others and take as many of them as possible. Yeah. Like if one or two, if you've ticked, let's say 
out of 10 tasks you've done eight or nine that's brilliant like it over kind of shadows the that one they haven't done yeah i think that's really good as well because that's something i talk about a lot with people like coach the idea of taking an outcome goal so the outcome goal for you is winning the fight yeah but then breaking that down into daily weekly behaviors that you can go like you said i've done eight out of ten of these this week and you're getting loads of wins so if you think talk about positivity every time you tick one of them you feel really positive because you've you're You're proud of it you're proud of it oh that's another one that's another one so you're building confidence and momentum towards that big goal because it's all little small daily things but also helps to keep you accountable because you're like i want to achieve x here's all the bits i got to do to get there if i'm not taking them off then i can't be disappointed (laughs) if i don't achieve x so that's one of the biggest things i try and talk about with the people i coach especially on the nutrition side is breaking down your outcome goal, the big goal, into loads of daily, weekly behaviors that you can tick and you just got to keep focusing on trying to tick them. One, because it gives you loads of momentum, gives you loads of positivity. But two, it helps you keep you accountable instead of just focusing on that thing that's eight weeks in the distance. Yeah. And you get there and you're disappointed because you didn't make it, but it's probably because you weren't doing the things. Well, I imagine week. even yeah. if you're obviously you've no experience in this Vic, we haven't lost, but like, I imagine even if you do lose or like, you know, when we lose a game of rugby, if you have ticked all those boxes in the week or the eight weeks leading up to it, it's much easier to take. That yeah, loss. absolutely. I think like towards like anything, like if you lose a fight, I, I'm not scared of losing any fights. I, I know as long as I've put the work in and I've kind of performed on the night, then it's the better man won the mm. fight. So it's, like you said, Kieran, uh, setting small goals is so important because every time you take one of them off, it just builds that momentum. It get, you're proud of what you do. You kind of, and then you set after small goal, you set bigger goals mm-hmm. and then you get them done. And then it just gives you that more motivation. You're kind of happy with what you're doing. You feel in control as well. Yeah. But it's like, if I was to go on an eight week camp without a plan, I'd fall apart. Like you, you don't have, you need kind of in ways tunnel vision and you have, I need to do this and I need to do that. And they take it step by step, literally until you reach that kind of uh, goal at the end. But if you don't have that, you're going to kind of lose track. So you go left, you go right, you don't know what to do. And then you come to, it comes to the fight and then nothing works. And then you're just like, well, why is nothing working? Yeah. I've trained hard, but you need to train kind of um, with specific things. So like you said, I need goals, small goals. I need to get those 20 rounds. I need one session would be kind of, tough you just go hard the other would be kind of light but very technical so everything like kind of adds like one percent today two percent tomorrow and they just build towards is that the big bit of advice that you give to younger guys boxers or just athletes in general who want to make a career in professional sports would it be that have a plan or what would be the one bit of advice that you give them set goals i think like set small goals and set big goals and then kind of work towards kind of achieving them if if for example like I want to be at world level boxing, you know, and I know the next step is focus a fight at a time. Yeah. There's no point of me in my head like I'm world champion because I'm not like it takes a lot to get there. And just being very professional about what you do as well. It's you need to sleep you, like discipline is so important to kind of getting you to where you want to be. Uh, so it's like I said, the small things are just sleeping or kind of pushing your friends away at times and not spending time with them. It's it's very tough. But it has to be done. Just understanding what those steps are to take lead you to your end goal and just being ruthless with them, sounds like. Yeah, kind of. You just you literally have to grab it by both hands and push towards it. Like, you can't be kind of taking anything half hours doing something. You just need to get on it. Yeah. 
In terms of talking about goals, so like obviously I'd imagine winning the Celtic title would have been a goal for you. What what is the next goal? What's the next thing you're looking at so, to get you towards that world class level? Uh, we our yearly goal for this year was to have four domestic fights uh, and get a Celtic belt. I was expecting to fight for that Celtic title kind of towards the end of the year, but it happened a lot earlier, so I took it. I am two fights in domestically. I fought Mark Morris from Belfast and Carl Kelly from Dublin. And then now I'm going to, our aim is to get a defense for my Celtic title against Martin Quinn and then go for an Irish either towards the end of the year or kind of early 2019. Okay. And we're we have goals and that's kind of you train, you win, and then you step onto the next step. Is that difficult for you as in, in terms of there's obviously a large element in boxing of promotion and there's a lot of other things to, to make these fights happen. Are you, like you're talking about the controllables, do you just focus on your job and training or do you have much of a hand in trying to organise this stuff as well? I No, I don't. I leave that to my management team. They kind of set the fights up for me. Uh, they We sit down, at, what, I don't want to say at the start of the year, we have a lot of meetings, yeah. but we have plans and one of our plans is to have four domestic fights this year and we're two in and then we have two more towards the end of the year um, I leave all that to the promoters there's so many boxes kind of at this level five fights in you're not Conor McGregor kind of blasting everyone and saying this and saying that yep. it's leave that to the promoters Yeah. all I want to do is just focus on my training and focus on the fight and that's it fair play well you're going to have a bit of a fight now because I'm taking you on in <laughs> this very interesting themed quiz roads yeah so obviously Victor you're Moldovan born and living in Dublin Roy, you're Kilkenny born and living in Dublin. <laughs> There's a clear uh, parallel to be drawn there. Yeah. Oh, similar, similar climate. Yeah. Uh, today's quiz, we will test who knows their Dublin history the best. So, um, before we move into the quiz, I just got to quickly outline the fitness forfeit for this week. So, if I know my boxing, well, I know my boxing movies. Uh, push-ups are a staple of any good boxing training program. Definitely in the movies. Definitely yeah. in the movies. Uh, so today's <laughs> fitness forfeit is 100 strict form push-ups for time. You must post it on Instagram and tag the other person. I think this is a very fair... I was very fair to you, Victor. 100 yeah. continues. Do you have to do it in one go? Can you take breaks? Or just as quick as you can? No, no. The, the idea is try and lash out as many as you can and then probably hold a few in the tank when you're about to fail. Okay, fair enough. But we you, should, we I'll should do this as a competition anyway. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll leave the tactics to you, lads. But that's what I was kind of thinking when I was thinking about it. Oh, right. uh, so today's quiz is Dublin history themed. You'll both be given three questions each. If you answer the question correctly, you receive a point. If the answer is incorrect, the question will be passed over to the other person okay. who so will have the it. opportunity to steal the point. This is new. That's yeah. we've never Okay, we've never done this before. Yeah, Good. Up. Yeah. Uh, in the event of a tie, we'll go to a sudden death lightning round. Not sparring. Not sparring, yeah. yeah. Thank God. <laughs> so um, we'll go guest Guess first. Guest first. Victor, oh. name uh, the two main ports in Dublin. <sighs> Dublin port? <laughs> Yeah, he's looking as if it's a trick question. Correct. Yeah, it seemed like a trick question. Yeah, one, was, one yeah. nil. All right, Roy. Um, how did the Haypenny Bridge get its name? Uh, is it where people used to like <laughs> throw haypennies into the river there? Victor. Oh damn it! Up. I actually do know. I'm going to pass this oh, over to you. Know. 
It was. It costed half a penny to cross oh, it. Oh, you Correct. Idiot. You idiot. Yes. <laughs> we got to edit that. All right. Uh, Two nil. <laughs> Jesus. So if he gets this right, am I done? Uh, no, no, no. You both got three questions each. Okay. So Jesus. Not thank God. All right. So he's. Um, yeah, but if he gets this I right, need, he, oh, I, okay. Three no, we need to get four. Three yeah. Okay. Right. Four. <laughs> so, Victor, which Irish poet depicted sitting in a bench? is honoured with a bronze statue on the banks of the Grand Canal. Jesus Christ. Uh, poet. No idea. Pass that over, Rory. Patrick Kavanagh. Ah. Oh, big fella. Yeah, Nailed Jesus it. Christ. That, uh, like my poetry. It's yeah. cool. No, no mad into my poetry. <laughs> Rory, um, Dublin has been used by um, as a, a base of power by many invaders. <laughs> Which group of invaders made it their base in the ninth century? The ninth century? Oh, Jesus. this is like... Good history one for you. The Vikings. Oh, yeah. yeah, all right. Two all, baby. Two all. I'm coming in for the steal. Which Dublin park contains the zoological gardens, the Wellington Mon- uh, Monument, <laughs> and many other sports fields and wild deer? The Phoenix Park. Oh, that's so easy. That was not easy. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I need this or it is game yeah. over. Name the street that is the main thoroughfare in Dublin. Uh, this could be, this is, depends now. This is a trick one. Yeah, this is like the main shop, main thoroughfare, main shop. I'm going to say O'Connell Street, but like you could say was, Grafton Street. Yeah, I was going to go that O'Connell Street. Correct. All right, fair enough. O'Connell Street. Right, so, so that tiebreaker. We're on to the tiebreaker. Shout, shout your name first, is it? Oh, yeah, hang on. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. So you got to shout your name first and then uh, you got to hopefully yeah. go for The Guinness Brewery is dub- is, is, dub- <laughs> is one of, um, is in Dublin. It is one of the oldest breweries in the world. Guinness has been brewed there since... Rory. Oh, come on. What, what, what is the renowned location of the brewery? Rory. Yeah. St. James Gate. Correct. Very yeah. good. I'm glad he finished you, you, the question. <laughs> you caught me off, guard. Yeah, well, I didn't know I thought we should focus it on yeah, you no. more than I Yeah, well, listen, that's tactics, uh, man. You, things don't go to plan all the time in a fight. You should have had plan out. B ready. I'm knocked out. 100 push-ups. Yeah. You don't have to do them now, but you can you can tag me in those. That's, that's a tough challenge. I'll tell you what, I'll make it interesting. I'll do it for time as well. And we'll see who wins. And they get another and one. And then we can get another one. In. Easy. As don't. long as I don't have to go to 800 meters, we'll, we'll, we'll think of something. We'll communicate on Instagram. Don't, and work don't, it out. don't. I think it should be boxing themed. Yeah, I'll, I have no problem doing that. Uh, we're heading up to the guys in white collar boxing maybe later this week, Rhodes, up to call up in cool. uh, Harold's Cross to do a bit of training. Awesome. So that could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll have to kind of ring you, Vic, but get some terminology done before I go no, there and no, make no. a show myself. Listen, Vic, thanks, a huge thanks for coming in. Uh, obviously, kind of mad couple of weeks for you after the fight. We wish you all the best going forward. And uh, what's the best place for people to find you and keep an eye on your progress if they want to keep tracking you? Instagram would be my biggest thing. Uh, my name is Victor Rabi. Just that simple on Instagram. R A B E I. Yeah, or A-B-E-I. It's yeah. not Rabbi, it's Rabbi. Very good. We'll uh, put all the links up in. Thanks very much, Vic, and best luck going forward. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Vic. Well, I-